Hello everybody, welcome back to Golden Talkies after a brief hiatus that was unintentional because we were lazy. On this podcast, we discussed films that came out 50 years ago this very week. Uh, and in this case, that film is Disney's uh, The Aristocats, which some of you may have noticed is a very cunning pun on aristocrats. It's very funny. Well, uh, How are you, Duncan, my dear co-host? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty all right, pretty swell. Man, that was uh, a, that was um, a big time introduction. I just realised I, I I'm, I'm not using the microphone that I used last time. It's graceful. I'm just uh, using my headset. Uh, oh well, we've started now. There's oh, literally no way. Mic, There's literally, sure literally no way to go back now. Right? Okay. Yeah. We're clearly out of practice. We just talked to each other a bunch. Mm-hmm. In the first, not even into a minute yet. Um, yeah, we're almost a minute in, so there's no way of possibly changing my microphone now. So, uh, sorry everyone. Do you remember uh, either the last episode or the one before when you said that there was loads of stuff that came out in December, so we're going to be really busy making Golden Talks episodes? Yes. And it's now the 12th, and we're, we're on our first one, which I guess means you've only missed one in December, but we're two mm-hmm. episodes behind now. Well, don't worry, because almost all of the relevant films came out next week, and obviously, uh, by virtue of the format, we're only going to be able to do one. Well, I reckon we could do a multi-film extravaganza. Possibly. Um, so, I mean, whilst we're on the subject, I might as well say, next week, uh, not this week, uh, is the release of uh, El Topo, uh, Rio Lobo right. and Love Story, uh, all of which are significant for different reasons. Nobody really remembers Love Story, I think, but it was significant at the time. Okay. Um, so, you know, they're all worthy of consideration. I am personally very much wanting to see El Topo, as I hear it is good, and I like using this podcast to look at slightly weirder, more obscure things I wouldn't see normally, but, you know, right. we will well, we discuss. Can, we can discuss after... Let's keep the viewers out of that discussion. discussion exactly. Uh, the many viewers. So, yes. But this week, we are watching The Aristocats. The Aristocats. The so, world's most artistically ambitious film. Would you like some historical context? Jiminy, Why, Jimmy Bob. Yeah, you can do so. Why um, so the film came out, well, it premiered on the 11th of December. The 11th of December, yes. 1970. A little bit um, cheeky. It came out around Christmas in in the US and the UK. Mm. I think Christmas Eve in the US and and yeah, which is like a really weird UK. release date, I thought, because like Christmas presumably Eve. Hmm. Well, a lot of people are going to be showing up on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I, I think, think for like after Christmas when you got like the kids free, but you need something to do. I assume it was. I assume the reason it released several days later in the UK was because maybe the cinemas were open in the US over Christmas and not in in UK. Mm. Do you think? Yeah, maybe just because like US is more multicultural. You mean. Yeah, I can see like the US having their cinemas open Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and, and Boxing Day, uh, whereas in the UK yeah. I feel like that's not very likely, and it would open after Boxing Day. That would be my guess for why they, they well, I, release date is staggered by three days. Using the very inexact science of when the first new Star Wars film came out, I assume the ideal release date for like any film is December seventeenth, or like a week before Christmas. At least. Yeah, probably. I'm guessing they would have like precision engineered the ideal date for a big film then. Yeah. Um. So yeah, December. Sorry, Christmas Eve seems a bit odd to me, but you know. A little bit. Who am I to question their ways? So. Uh, that's when it came out. On mm. on the eleventh of December, nineteen seventy. Can you guess? Yeah. On, so I use TakeMeBack.to um, as usual. Mm-hmm. Can you guess which artist, according to that site, this is like the biggest news of the day, which artist yeah. released an album that contained the word fuck? Uh, too early for uh, Rolling Stones, maybe? Nope. Um, fuck. Uh, Bob Dylan? Nope. Okay, that's two guesses. Uh, you can have 20 more. Uh, no, uh, Ringo Starr and his debut. Oh, fuck! Oh, that George is Harrison has, so close. Has all things, no. Is this the release of All Things Must Pass? No. Ah, oh. well, John like, Lennon. Oh, John Lennon. I don't know. I don't know what album, but um, yeah. apparently, I don't know John Lennon's post-Beatles stuff. I know that he did a big diss track about Paul called "How Do You Sleep at Night." You don't know John Lennon's post-Beatles stuff. What about Imagine? Not really. Well, what's his Christmas? One? I should say I don't know Horror it that well. Um, I think Mother is the only post-release album. Okay. Or if I listen to very much. Um, 
as you know, and I guess our listeners won't, I was in the top uh, 0.05% of Beatles listeners last year. So I consider myself something of an expert. Um, can you guess which Scottish actor was born on the 11th of December 1970? Uh, Sean Connor? No, because he's way older. Right. Sean is about 50. Ewan McGregor? Oh my god. What? What is it with these second guesses being so close? Someone who's close to Ewan McGregor. Ridiculously close. Train spotting? I'm not going to give you any more clues. I think you can get it. Fuck. Who's close to you and McGregor? Um, Scottish actor about the same age. David Tennant somehow? No, no. This is a Scottish actor about the same age that is really close to you, McGregor. Uh, Do you mean close like been in the same stuff or like he looks similar? As in, when you said you McGregor, I I was like, whoa, that's really close. Is there another person... Scottish actor with the surname McGregor who I'm drawing a blank on. Oh, you're so close. Um, Liam McGregor is that a no, person? No, 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 not McGregor. Uh, not a person named Ewan. Ewan. Oh. Oh. Ewan Scott. I don't know. Fuck it. Ewan Bremer. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. You know he was in Train Spotting with Ewan McGregor. Ah, uh, who did he find? Spud. Spud. <sighs> Oh, did you not? You, okay, you don't know Ewan Bremer. Okay, fair enough. No. Um, so Ewan Bremer actually oh. originally played Renton in this in the stage version of Train Spotting. Ah, but he got sort of demoted. But well, I don't know about demoted. But they, they when they were casting the film, they were going to cast him as Renton, and then he realised he fits Spud a lot better, which I think he does if you, you know, watch the yeah. film. I mean, I haven't seen his performance as Renton, uh, but you know, he no, true, well. neither. Uh, um, yeah. Cool. Well, that was my uh, historical good day context. For we had a double quiz. You and McGregor. He's got a big TV series now, as I know you saw. Uh, so yeah. Congrats, guy. Uh, there, there is also. Oh, right. Quick, just quickly before we move on to that, there is something because I told you mm-hmm. that I'd spotted something on on Take Me Back that was surprising to me, didn't I? Yeah. Right. So I was on Take Me Back and it said you and Bremer, right? Born whatever. And it had like the little blue name thing, okay? Yeah. Like the link. So I clicked on it. And what looked like Wikipedia came up. So I thought to myself, uh-huh. okay, it's a Wikipedia page. And then I noticed that instead of a picture of him, the main thing was some kind of astrological chart. And I realized that I was on astrodatabank.com. Sorry, astro.com slash astrodatabank, which is essentially Wikipedia, but for astrological, specifically for astrological stuff. And... Here's the creepy bit. It's got the exact time that he was born. Seven thirty-four p.m. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing First that threw me. It's on public record, are they? I I don't know. I don't know. All I all I know. It's also got the place that he was born, including the uh, what looks like to be some sort of coordinates, and the time Ooh. zone that it was in. Uh, the date and the data source it says quoted something something, so and then it's got all his astrology data. So the thing that that threw me off, right? Because I clicked on it and it looks exactly like Wikipedia. This page, um, mm. the time was the thing that threw me off. I was kind of like, oh, this page is ordered a bit weird. And I looked born blah, blah blah, and then it said the time, and that's what threw me off. But yeah, this is a very uh, bizarre website I've discovered. Astro. dot com, and nice. it's like a Wikipedia wiki thing. Anyway. That was that's just a that's a by the way. Um, uh, Rube Goldberg died this week. I found when I was looking things up uh, of Rube Goldberg machines, and oh, perhaps okay. more importantly, as a cartoonist. Um, and then other than that, it didn't seem like a lot of historical stuff of import had happened. No, I guess not. Yeah. You know, history is pretty slow during December. You know. Yeah, it's true. Everyone kind of. I mean, like, even the First World War, you know, stopped for. Christmas Day, so. Yeah. Well, actually, I suppose we'll start. Fear it's like uh, historical stuff tends to happen during the summer because yeah. like, it's easier to go outside, I guess. Yeah. And during winter, it's hard to like you know get a riot together or whatever. Exactly. Um, so yeah, you were talking about Hugh McGregor and his series. Um, I was following. It was quite series. interesting because on our group chat, there was you. You were watching the video game awards. You were yeah. messaging every time there was a new award or trailer or something. 
And then yeah. someone else was watching the Disney reveal thing, and they were saying every time that that there was a some kind of thing revealed or something interesting in the Disney show. But no yeah. one was replying, and neither of you were replying to each other. So it was just kind of yeah. two hours I'd... worth of messages that I woke up to. Of I feel you saying, my you saying oh my god, there's this game, and then them saying, oh, they've just announced this show, and then you going, oh, this just won the award, and then them going, whoa, I can't believe they've got this person in this show, and it was just yeah. just no no human interaction. It was very, very internet. Uh, tradition as old as time is me watching things like E3 and the Game Awards and just directly vomiting what happens into the group chat to no reply, and I refuse to adjust for surrounding circumstances. That's fair. I respect that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that's been going on since at least 2014, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, that's like six years of history. Uh, and who am I to interrupt that? It's true. Um, yeah, it was it was good. So, yeah, the, um, the Obi-Wan Kenobi is having a show with Hayden Christensen yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. As Darth Vader, though, which seems well, yeah. weird. Which is yeah. interesting. Um Presumably, he's not going to be doing the voice because James Earl Jones is still alive and likely going to be much better at it. So, the in the prequels, is it James Earl Jones that goes no? It must be, right? I don't know. I don't know, man. I I can't really remember. Could be. I just, I'm guessing. Like, I, I assume doing... there's going to be various points where he takes his mask off, and I guess, but like. We know what he looks like under the mask, and it's really fucked up, is the idea. I'm yeah. Not... I, don't know, I feel there's not a lot of room for fun stories about Obi Wan within the canon, and I'm sure they're going to bend over backwards to establish some in a way that would really irritate me. Well, there's so, a yeah, bunch of stuff about him. There's a, there's a fair bit of him in some of the animated stuff, I think. Yeah, but it's just, you know, like. Mm. I, yeah. I, I have very little patience for the Star Wars Expanded Universe. I think it's silly. That's um, fair. I quite like it. That's fair. I'm not detracting from that. No, you better not be. Nope. We were talking about Disney Plus earlier. Yeah. But how you have it because you're such a weeboo, then you just watch Crunchyroll instead. Well, yeah, what I was, gonna, what I was saying is I have Disney Plus because I bought it. Uh, I might have mentioned this on the podcast, actually. I bought it while drunk to watch Phineas and Ferb the movie. Oh. Uh, which was fine. That's right, I want to see it, yeah. Yeah, well, you can watch it on my Disney Plus account. For for the next uh, few days. When for I, the next few days. I do have an exam uh, that finishes. But I feel, speaking as a uh, fan of the NMAs, uh, where I have to pay like for three different streaming services. Mm-hmm. Just you have to. You have to. I have to. I'm forced to. Yeah, legally obliged. Uh, to, yeah. I'm legally obliged to have both Crunchyroll, Funimation, and Hideout. Yeah. Um, so I feel I can't, like, pay for a streaming service I don't use, particularly if it's going to a company that I think is too powerful and makes too much money. Uh, so that's why I'm abandoning the Disney Plus ship. And also, I don't really like much of the stuff Disney makes, which, hey, isn't that a fantastic segue into the main body of the podcast? Yes. Cool. So, the film, uh, in case you've very understandably forgotten, is The Aristocats, which, to remind you, is a really funny pun. Um... This is the first film we have ever watched that begins with a racism warning. Which, you know, ain't that fun. Well, yeah, I mean, I do feel like some of the other ones would otherwise would have, have a racism warning. If they were on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. But I, uh, but I do know but, what you mean. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I think we've talked about these on the podcast before, but uh, it didn't overturn my opinion that I feel they're kind of insubstantial. Although I don't really know what the best solution would be. Um, mm. I feel like you shouldn't show fil- films that are racist to your children anyway. Um, True. So I guess. Yeah. I mean, this one. This one. Hmm. It's kind this of more of a. It's more of a stereotype. With, with like one unbelievably shocking exception. Yeah. Uh, so like ninety nine percent of its runtime is fine. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I feel it's a bit strange because obviously. When you put like a little warning on that, on then like I think it's kind of it's definitely better than nothing, and I think these things should be accessible more for like archival slash historical purposes. Like I think if you're an animation like buff or whatever, then like you should be able to see all Disney catalog. Yeah. Um, but I feel there's also a certain thing towards like, you know, 
you can stick it in front of the kids so long as they get like this little message saying like, "Hey, uh, it's quite racist." Uh, bye. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, like I know with the Warner Brothers cartoons, like they have like a mini documentary with Whoopi Goldberg like explicitly talking to you about how Mama Tootsie isn't you know kosher. Uh, right. Which I think aimed at children, which I think is the better approach. Although I don't know if that's like compulsory every time you watch one. Um. But yeah, it's a difficult needle to thread. It is. Uh, but, um, you know. This is not the most racist film Disney has ever made, but it's still quite alarming, as we will get to. Um, it's got, we, it's got wee, uh, wee stereotype in it that's uh, yeah. perhaps perhaps a little bit racist. I, I, I question... Oh. Um, so this, <laughs> is a, this is the Aristocrats once more. It is set in what I thought was a quite unique setting of Paris in 1910. Uh, yeah. I like sort of uh, turn of the century narratives. I always think they're quite interesting. I feel it's an underexplored period. Uh, but this film also doesn't explore it because it does the Disney thing where every main character is American regardless of what country they, they are supposed to come from and every secondary yeah. character is English. Uh, well, there's the, also Russian cat and my, Chinese cat. Yeah, some of the cats are different personalities. But among the humans uh, yeah. is almost entirely British with I think one French guy as an incredibly minor character. Yeah, um, so you're not going to be getting a great flavor of uh, French culture here, which I suppose is quite a contrast to how they do films nowadays, where a lot of like Disney and Pixar films are very like selling themselves based on like sort of exploration of another culture. Yeah, like sort of like compare this to Ratatouille as another sort of like Disney. Well, it's not Disney, but you know Disney Pixar film set in Paris, and like the approach to exploring the culture there. Whereas I think in this film it could really take place anywhere and I don't really quite get why they set it in Paris hmm. uh, it doesn't really come into play at any point um, also they the currency they use in the film is dollars and that really annoyed me um, oh I didn't notice it so yeah. I wrote it down and underlined it three times but disgraceful stuff um, so we start with uh, an old not old, I guess, oldish, uh, aristocratic lady um, who lives in Paris in the rich district. She's a rich gal, and she owns four cats. Uh, yeah. A mother cat called Duchess and three children cats. Uh, we don't know where their father is, um, which I find weird because I feel in a Disney film they would like explicitly say that he's dead. But you know what? Fair yeah, enough. Maybe. Yeah, well, I feel like there's kind of an element, though, where... Cats, cats can be bought and stuff, can't they? You know. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a human father that's missing. Presumably, this hypothetical cat is both orange and black, half and half. Yeah. I think the actual explanation is that this film is pretending that like the the monomer cat like reproduced asexually. But you know. Yeah, I think so. Uh, um, I think <clears throat> it's kind of because probably nowadays you would say that that's that's pretty. It's pretty good normalization of a single mother. Yeah. You know where they don't need the father, but I don't. I don't. I wouldn't. Ne- I definitely wouldn't claim that that's what's going on in this film. But I do yeah, think I that. I do think that, that that is the sort of thing that would happen nowadays, which is pretty. Yeah, good, I think you know? they'd probably work in that angle, or like people would yeah. find it easier to read in. But I think in this, it's more just sort of yeah. mother is the magical provider. Um, yeah. yeah. So the Duchess is very posh and very nice. Uh, those are her two sort of character traits. Or good natured, I suppose, would be the better way of phrasing it. Yeah, uh, and very nice. Yeah. Uh, there are three kitten cats. Uh, one is a girl, and you can tell because she has a pink bow. And <laughs> one is called Toulouse. He's the orange one, and he likes to pretend that he can fight. Yep. And then there's a black one whose name I've forgotten. Uh, they are the main characters, but are not very memorable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's called like D D is dies D. It's got D and a Z in it somewhere. I genuinely cannot remember. Dean and L. Daylor? Um Dazor? Hmm. Um hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh they get a lot of freedom uh within the house and they are learning to paint and to play piano. Um this film has three songs in it, one of which is during the opening credits. Uh, which, um, you know, for the sake of completeness, I will say are good opening credits. Yep, um, good. You know, got pretty pictures, nice theme song. These are the two things they need. 
Um, yeah. And then they play here. They play the song "Scales and Arpeggios," which I'm just saying, as an amateur music critic, I thought was fucking terrible. Uh, genuinely, one of the worst Disney songs I've ever heard. I know Is that the one thought. where it's like you have to know your scales, and uh, you can't even sing it. Like, yeah, I can't tell you how it goes. I just no, it's not know. good. Um, yeah. So criticism for that. Anyway. Uh, to get onto the actual plot of the thing, because I don't want to do a full plot recap. Um, of course not. The old lady's um, uh, attorney comes around and she says that she wants to leave everything to her cats, uh, which, speaking as someone almost legally qualified, I will tell you, uh, it's not how the law works. Uh, Some people have done that. Some people have done that, though. You can't. You can't leave your money to your cats. Some people have left money to dogs and stuff. You can, like, I'm sure you can, like, give someone the responsibility to make sure that they're well looked after, but you can't leave money to a dog. It's not a legal person. Can you leave money to an animal? It's not going to have a bank account. Perhaps also more importantly. <laughs> Wait! Yes? Uh, no, you can't. Not directly, yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Leave money in trust for the purpose of caring for your pets. Yes. And to point a specific person, more than one person, look after the money for them. Yes. And this person be able to use the money however they see fit to care for your pet and line for your wishes. Don't want mm -hmm. to send your wishes. Yes. Would that be legally binding? Uh, the trust? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to. Well, you. Uh, I don't know if you. you I've, it's been a while since I did trust law. I don't know if you could compel them to look after your pet. Uh, but they wouldn't be able. They definitely wouldn't be able to legally use that money for anything else, other than looking after your pet. So that's yeah. that is interesting. Mm -hmm. Could could the animals take them to court for not? <laughs> I, okay, Duncan, I'm going to put, I'm going to say this again. Animals are not legal people. Can, what about <laughs> kangaroo? What about a kangaroo court? Uh, that's not what kangaroo. I should. Oh no, I was going to say that's not what a kangaroo court is, but like, par in a sort of certain <laughs> reason, it would be. It kind of would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> Got you thinking now, don't I, buddy? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were so cool. The snake eating its own tail. Yeah. Uh, um. Hmm. That's um, an interesting one. So she says that she's leaving the money to her cats, and then when the cats die, it'll go to Elgar, which also isn't something you'd be able to do. You wouldn't be able to say, like, I leave my money to person A, and then when person A dies, it goes to B. It's person A's decision. Like where the money goes, right? What if, right, in this situation, yeah, right, you left the money to Edgar, but you had mm -hmm. to look after the cats, okay? Yeah. Right, and then, mm -hmm. but he gets the money if the cats die, okay? If he, that would, mm -hmm. if if he killed the cats, what 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 would happen? Uh, I think. The bare rules of that would be valid. Uh, I I'm sure there would be a bad faith exem exemption if it turned out that Edgar had killed them on purpose uh, and he wouldn't get the money. Right. Um, but yeah, I think if this was going to be a realistic <laughs> film, quote unquote, or I suppose yeah. if you are looking for advice on what to do to make sure your, your pets are looked after, what you would do is you would leave the money to Elgar and then either like privately say to him, I want you to look after my pets if you trust him, or if you don't, then like uh, make him or someone else uh, manager of a trust to make sure yeah, that your pet has but, money. Yeah, but is it so? Okay, so you said there's, there's not a way. There's not a way to leave money to someone and make them leave it to someone else. No, sure. But is there a way to leave money to a trust and then if the trust completes its mission, then someone individually gets gets that money? Probably, I. So in the so in theory, this film finishes. could be true, if if rather than just stating that she's leaving the money to the cat, she she left it in a trust, but then said to Edgar well, get the money left once the, the cat's entire died. fortune in trust for the cats. Yeah, um, and Edgar would get that trust money if the cats die. Possibly, although I I like I say I have forgotten what happens when a trust uh, finishes its goal. Because uh, I think like the thing is, most trusts are like for a project that's never going to end. If you know what I mean, it's like you yeah. put money like a trust, like maintain an estate or like feed the poor or something. If you know what I mean, yeah. Um, so I think cases where trusts actually are like definitively finished are rarer. 
If you want, I could look it up right now. I have my notes on this computer. Can you? If you're interested. Yeah, why not? Man, uh, how far? <laughs> this has turned into like a legal, uh, legal eagle uh, review of Aristocats. That's what I've always wanted. Uh, is this? Are you slowly moving the uh, the podcast in another direction here? Yeah, uh, uh, we What's are eventually going to be. Do, it's eventually going to be a legal discussion of anime podcast. I think we all knew that. Was your your ploy was to take a couple of weeks off. So you kind of yeah. forget the format a bit, then come in with this kind of legal review, and then say that was really mm -hmm. interesting. We should add some more legal aspects going forward, and then slowly merge, yeah. get rid of the fifty-year thing. I know your fucking plan, mate. Well, the plan is that now that I have sole um, responsibility over what films we do next, uh, I can just lie to you and tell you that they're all anime films, and then it'll be too late for you to realize what's going on okay. after we're about ten weeks in. Okay. Um, Okay, hold on. I should just show that. Um, variation, variation, variation. Um, okay, this is dead air. Um, it is dead air. Sorry. Um, basically, the answer is I don't know. No, no. Uh, keep looking. Keep looking. Okay, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll fill in. Uh, we're all good, Jamie. So, um, what have people been up to, audience? Uh huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. What what did she say? Oh, I'm, I'm happy for you, bro. That that's nice. Uh, yeah. What about you? Yeah. Oh, you've been uh, you've been doing that, have you? Wow, that's interesting. You know, I've I've done that before as well, um, many times. Um, so also, uh, oh oh yeah, there's someone else got their hand up. Yeah, you oh you've got a question. Yeah, um, yeah. So the reason that Jamie's not speaking at the moment is he's currently looking up uh, the legal review because uh, we're uh, watching the Aristocats and there's a bit where uh, the lady leaves money in her will to her cats and Jamie's just looking up whether whether Edgar could benefit from killing the cats if this was a real life legal situation. Um, I hope that Jamie's looking up specifically turn of the century French law because otherwise I don't know. Yeah, you know. I don't really know what he thinks is going to be binding here, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. Jimmy, are uh, you... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I have here? absolutely no fucking clue. Uh, I've looked at it. I can't figure it out. Uh, I either didn't study it or I didn't take proper notes. I apologize to everyone. Probably didn't take proper notes, to be honest. <laughs> Probably. Maybe I could email my professors. Um, could you actually, for next week, could you email one of your professors? I don't have the courage. Uh, particularly, I think I'm in I'm in bad with the uh, relevant professor. But, uh, why? Uh, I uh, well, I've inconvenienced them. I don't want to inconvenience. Why? Them. Why? 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 Uh, I sent an email to the wrong address, uh, and then uh, a relevant person got in touch with the professor to email them to to tell me to email them from the correct address. And then that first person hasn't replied now that I've emailed them from the first address. So it's an irritating thing. Uh, you know, as as happens. I've just got an email, Jamie, mm -hmm. from YouTube. Yes. Right, and it says, Golden Talkies. See how creators keep kept us inspired in 2020. Yeah. What a year. Let's take a moment to reflect on some of the good. Yeah. And then, I think, I think it might be supposed to be like a, a year in review thing, but because we've not done anything... <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? Let's take a look at how creators across Europe, Russia, and Sub-Saharan Africa brought us together. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I guess that's just one grouping YouTube has. Uh, I guess so. There's, there's a right. So I've clicked on the link, and it's a playlist, an unlisted playlist of twelve videos, with no views. <laughs> Good. I, I taught my cat to play the guitar. All right. By Shannon Langdon. In a way. P. E. With Joe. That's uh, the guy that did, uh, you know, Joe, the guy that did all the stuff. Uh, all the, you know, the lockdown fitness stuff. Oh, Joe Wicks, yeah. Yeah, I think it must be him. Uh, Uncle Roger Disgusted by this Egg Fried Rice video, BBC Food, by Mr. Okay. Nigel NG. There's mm -hmm. a parody song. There's a German video about depression. There's cool. another German video, it looks like. Uh, I don't know what that is. It's some kind of sports thing. There's a Russian video about washing your hands. There's a French person saying that they're launching their YouTube channel. Uh, a time lapse of a structural works factory being re re renovated. 
Uh, another German vlog with someone who's got a baby. A gay couple's got a baby, it looks like. Uh, nice. This one could be Spanish, I think. Uh, it looks like another building thing. And then basic sign language shoes while wearing a face mask. Why? What? What is this? <laughs> Why is this? I'm going to forward this to you, Jamie. I feel like that you you deserve to see this this email as much as me. Jamie. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I'm, oh. I'm listening. I hadn't Sorry. nodded off. I swear. It really sounds like you'd nodded off. Of nodding off. Uh, Elgar. Uh, in the, the film of the aristocrats, 1970, uh, conspires to drug the cats for sleeping pills, uh, so he can throw them in a river, um, and the cats share their meal with a mouse, which is voiced by Jim Cummings, which looks weirdly out of place because his eyes are black dots, uh, and it upsets yeah. me. Uh, that was a bit creepy. Disney eyes, but uh, I like the Winnie the Pooh voice, so he's in my good books. Uh, Jim Cummings should voice every character. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, he tries to throw the cats in the river, he goes on a motorbike out of town, uh, but he's foiled by two dogs, which the film thinks are much funnier than they are. Uh, yeah, they're really not remotely funny. No. No. Uh, they're also Southern, uh, Southern American, to yeah. really, you know, hammer home the not caring about... Uh, Their names are Napoleon and Lafayette, if I remember correctly. Yes, but not Lafayette. It's Lafayette or something, isn't it? They don't pronounce it properly. They don't pronounce it properly. No, I, I was pronouncing it, it properly. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. And I appreciate in that. In, their in the film, it is not pronounced properly. Yeah. Um, so the cats don't end up drowning in the river. They sort of wake up the next day, uh, and they're greeted by Tom O'Malley, who was voiced by whoever voiced Baloo the bear, and looks a lot like Baloo for a cat. Um... And he sort of flirts with Duchess for a bit and volunteers flirts, to help them you go home. Flirts pretty heavily. Pretty heavily. Yeah. Uh, and thus begins an epic quest to walk a relatively short distance to get back home, facing no yeah. real adversity. Yeah, uh, this was my big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a kind of, it's kind of implied at the start of the film that these cats are really going to struggle out in the alleys because all the alley cats are really tough, right? Yeah, and there, there was me expecting them to get dumped out and have the classic like Disney villains of like the the scary cats with the the shining eyes, like the eyes shining in the dark and all that kind of stuff, and maybe the cats yeah. would get split up and all the kids would have to find each other and where's their mum? But no, they get dumped off. They're all together. Uh, a nice alley cat comes and talks to them. They get in the back of someone's Meet truck. Meet other nice people. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, there's one guy they get in a guy's truck and he tells him to get off the truck and he shouts in the this bit, is the one not... French guy who says sacre bleu twice yeah. in two minutes of screen time um, they're not in a lot of danger at that point and then they, they walk the rest of the way they come across some nice some other nice geese. alley cats do a little song and then yeah. they get home they come, don't forget the English geese uh, who have to oh, say yeah. that because most of the characters in this film are English but you know they really say uh, and Uncle Horace who's a funny drunk Horace? Uh, Waldo. Was it Horace? What was it? Uncle Waldo, that's it, sorry. Yeah, Uncle Waldo, who's a funny, uh, drunk goose. Yes, he's a drunk man, and they all laugh at him. Goose. Even Duchess, who... Sorry, goose. Uh, goose. They all have a good laugh at him, and Duchess laughs at the fact that he's marinated. Uh, yeah. And then these go away. I assume... I think their only purpose in the film was to introduce us to Uncle Waldo, uh, just because he's such a funny character. Well, they, they, <laughs> they stop O'Malley from drowning... Yes, but that seems about... also quite contrived. So Yeah, that's about the only adversity in the film. Oh no, there's a yeah. train. There's a bit when they're on the train line and the train comes towards them, but they just... Yeah, that's the only time they're in mortal peril. It's just that it is also resolved in 10 seconds yeah. and isn't even seen as that threatening. They uh, they just climb down. One of them falls yeah. in, they're in the water for a bit, then they get mm. out of the water, and that was all the peril there. Yep. And at no point do they come across a tough alley cat or mm. some any kind of gang or... You know, any real danger. Um, well, there's no external threats. Yeah. Uh, and there's no real character conflicts either. Everyone just kind of gets on well. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel... I don't want to, like... Cause I, I feel like I do say a lot in these podcasts, like, this film would be better if it was more cliched. But yeah. to go on the, this film would be better if it was more cliched uh, tangent, I feel like maybe if you like had it so that maybe Duchess and O'Malley didn't get on at first, it would seem to be like yeah. natural. Or if the kid's mother was missing, or you know, because it's Disney dead, 
yeah. uh, had to struggle by a bit, then that would introduce something. Uh, but yeah. like, as it is, they all get along well. They're all in a position of relative safety. Yeah. Uh, throughout there's the entire not, thing. There's not even any clash of uh, cultures. You know? No. They, Which is really they, the whole point of the film is that they're upper class cats and they come across all these alley cats, but they just kind of yeah. get along. Well, I feel like if either like O'Malley like thought that Duchess was like a bit of a snob, or if Duchess didn't like accept O'Malley's way, he thought she thought he was or, too crass. I think it uh, could work if uh, like one of O'Malley's friends was like, "Why have you brought these posh cats back?" That could work. Hmm. You know, or even that would be a small thing. Yeah. Um, but like, but no, very open and accepting everyone. Yeah. Uh, which you know, I suppose is a good example for the Kiddie Winks, but it does make for a really fucking boring film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's it's... so yeah, it's really fucking boring actually. Yeah. <laughs> um cool. So well where did we get to? They they get they, they meet all his mates who do a little song. Yeah. Uh which yeah, is they do the, the best... only good song in the film. Yeah, the uh, only good song in the film. Uh, in, uh, pretty interesting visually, um about the only time in the film. It's very jazzy. I think if there are more like jazzy interludes then that'd be interesting. Yeah. I suppose if it was just like Maybe if it was just they got lost and it was like set in like the more sort of swanky, not swanky, cool, what's it? More, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, I guess just lower class areas of Paris and like the more yeah. the jazz culture influence. Um, I mean, as it is, it's a very good song number. This is the one that contains the unbelievably racist caricature, which is the Chinese cat. Chinese cat. Uh, who talk, who plays the piano with chopsticks and has the buck teeth and talks about how uh, something he talks nonsense with words like Hong Kong and how fortune he's always wrong. It, yeah, his lines like uh, egg egg foo young Hong Kong the fortune cookie's always wrong or something like that. Yes, um, he's pretty uh, and racist. He does that really racist. Like, I I think the thing is for me as an adult viewer, it's so racist and so like bizarrely out of nowhere, at least in the context of the film, that I sort of was a negative feedback loop to just being like horrific weirdly hilarious but like in an awful awful way yeah um it is genuinely bizarre how brazen it is yeah uh, but that's i guess you know that's that's that well the thing is i was gonna say that's the era but like the whole point of this project is that we've been looking at films from this era so yeah. now i can pretty like you know affor relatively affordably say that it wasn't the era actually it was Quite racist, even within the context of the time. Yeah, I would say so. Um, so there we go. <laughs> Whole thing was worth it to call this film racist. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, they have their fun jazzy interlude. Yeah. Uh, and they make their way back home again. No incident. Uh, Duchess and talks about how nice it would be to live with home alley, but they can't because they have to go home to their owner. Uh, yeah. The very obvious solution is that O'Malley would come to live with them. Uh, which does happen in the end. It's just sort of not commented on here, I guess. Uh, like, I mean, even if, it was, like, if Duchess was like, O'Malley, you should come live with us, and O'Malley was like, no, I like my life as a swinging jazz man. Yeah. And then, you know, that'd be conflict. Like, yeah. Be fun. But they could just live uh, alongside each other, you know, they can, they can do yeah, something. Yeah, again, uh, just very easy workarounds. Um, yeah. Anyway, they get back home, uh, Elgar tries to kidnap them again, uh, but Rock Four, the Winnie the Pooh mouse, uh, is able to enlist the help of O'Malley and his gang. And well, he all... almost he he he's in some danger for a bit. A little bit. Because he forgets yes. O'Malley's name. He says O'Brien, O'Connor, O O Jackson, O O O, and then they almost see him, and then he goes Oh O'Malley, and he go Oh, you know O'Malley, and then it's all fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite strange, given that you think that they figure it out from context. What? He was talking about, but you know, yeah. I think uh, they know. I think they know, but I think they're yeah. teasing him. You know, uh, they do wink, don't they? Um, yeah. But yeah, so they all beat up an Elgar, and he gets uh, trapped in a trunk to Timbuktu, where presumably he will agonizingly suffocate to death. Um, and O'Malley goes to live with them. A happy ending. Uh, the owner is reunited with her cats and. Pointedly uh, suggest that she wants Duchess and O'Malley to fuck. Yeah, uh, and that's the ending. Weird thing that I w 
skipped that we skipped over here that I want to bring up is the bit where the geese uh, comment on how scandalous it is that Duchess and O'Malley aren't married, which is a very weird thing to see in a children's film, frankly. Yeah, especially when they, they've not actually really done anything. <laughs> no, but just like I don't remember in any Disney film before the discussion of whether or not these are bastard kittens uh, who yeah. are not having a bluff. Yeah. Um, Pretty, uh, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else to say about uh, the film. Story. <laughs> but, uh, sure. uh, I really hate the geese. Uh, just to be clear, we skipped over them because they're really boring. Yeah, uh, they, 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 they yeah. think they're funny. So the dogs think yeah. they're funny. The mm. geese think they're funny. The dogs get two very extended scenes with Alvihar that are like supposed to be slapstick, but I would say are yeah. quite bad slapstick, frankly, or at least it doesn't have enough impact for me, I would say. Yeah. Um, to be funny. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention is that um, Elgar, in the middle of the film, before he makes the second trip to the dog, uh, opens up, brings up a newspaper, and then front page is the mysterious catnapping, uh, yeah. which is described as a work of genius. Yeah. Um, which, you presumably, know, presumably just... because he's not suspected at all. Yes. Um, so it looks like someone's it's... broken in without being noticed and taking the cats without... Anyway, a very slow news day, nonetheless. No, definitely, yeah. Uh, yep. Um, it's also interesting that he decides to uh, confess to the horse. Yes. Uh, for okay. some reason. I guess he thinks the horse is his mate. Well, the horse um, can't... He can't hear the horse talk. He doesn't know the horse is conscious. No, I know. Uh, I know. So, yeah. It's same yeah. as any... Uh, your standard horse confession. Um, yeah, True. He just has to tell someone. Yeah, uh, he's so happy with his catnapping. Uh, it went so beautifully. Uh, even though it didn't, he got distracted and lost them. But, yeah. You know. um, hmm. vis- I feel it's a Disney film, so we should comment on the visuals um, in terms of the animation. Uh, mm. So This is uh, part of the Xerox era of Disney. Uh, so if you give a little history lesson, um, because I read up on this and I found it interesting anyway. Um, so the initial Disney films, your Snow White, your Alice in Wonderland, and more importantly, your Sleeping Beauty, uh, were all hand uh, drawn, hand painted. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and this meant that uh, the animators' drawings had to be traced over onto the cells, uh, and then hand painted, which was a very slow process, and it meant it was very long and expensive. Uh, and this culminated in Sleeping Beauty, uh, which took six years to produce, but was very financially unsuccessful. Um, and this got Disney to the point where it was no longer financially feasible to make movie animation. Um, and there were a lot of layoffs, and there was a risk that they were going to have to focus instead on TV production. Um, but what happened is that the uh, technology for Xeroxing, which is like it's the same technology that I think uh, photocopiers use, at least for early photocopiers, I think current ones still, um, which allowed the drawings of the animators to be transferred directly onto the cells without uh, tracing. Uh, so that cut out a lot of man hours and made production a lot cheaper. Uh, and that, thus, they were able to make these films financially viable again. And the first film to use that technology was 101 Dalmatians. Um, but the thing about Xeroxing uh, is that it only allows for these very black, sketchy lines. Uh, which is why Disney films from this era have this very sketchy style with very defined outlines. Uh, you may have noticed. Oh, sorry, I fell asleep there. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so I wasn't a big fan of it. Yeah, so 101 Dalmatians, Jungle Book, Robin Hood, uh, and this film all have a very distinct look. Uh, and I think it's sometimes done well. I, th- I think um, 101 Dalmatians is a pretty good-looking film. It's been a while since I've seen it, and I like I Jungle Book. But... Yeah, Jungle Beat's good. I didn't like this one. It was very... It just... It, it felt not yeah. finished. Yeah, some of the faces in particular are a bit weird and the human yeah. characters. Um, the cats are fine, I think. Probably because it's easier to draw. But um, there's a lot of face, particularly of the owner uh, in close-ups that look very odd. Um, I also thought the composition was a bit off at some certain yeah. points. It, looked, it looked a bit weird. Uh, a lot of the characters didn't look like they were really in the scene. Yeah, uh, they're sort of floating on top of the background, particularly that extended scene on the stairs near the beginning. Although I realise yeah. stairs are difficult to do in animation. Um, 
Uh, I thought the cars, though, were really good. Uh, the vehicles were often, like, 3D, yeah. uh, which I'm assuming is still hand-drawn, so I was quite impressed by. Yeah. Um, and I thought the backgrounds were really nice, particularly of uh, Paris. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with the backgrounds again. Very nice. They just kind of the animations felt a bit weird, like the characters and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of lack of impact. And I think particularly yeah. the slapstick sequences that really shows. Yeah, the stair one was funny. Yeah, do you like um, it? I I don't know if I liked it, but it was it was kind of a bit funny compared to. I, I liked I didn't it a lot find more it, than the dogs. I didn't find the rest at all funny. But the stairs, I was kind of like, oh, I was the stairs, I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's that's a bit funny. That's a bit funny that you. Yeah, the two the sequences with the butler and the dogs just go on for ages and yeah. just aren't. I'm sure I would like them if I was a small child, and obviously that is the film's target audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I know. I'm pretty sure some kids I babysat once like this was their favorite film, so I don't want to like poo-poo it. Pure uh, little cunts. As long as you know, uh, the youngins like it. But I would say of. The Disney oof, uh, this is very much the, well, not the worst, but definitely the low tier. If you know what I mean, it's quite yeah, forgettable, it's quite boring. Uh, I I think Aristocats one claim to quality is one song in it, uh, which is also that, incredibly racist. Yeah, it is incredibly racist. That scene was nice. It was it was quite nicely done. Yeah. The, the music was quite good, but it just the rest of the film, not didn't just, really make it's up. It's very generic. It feels a very TV movie. It's generic, but without it doesn't have the cliches that you need to make it interesting. You know, it's yeah. Kind of a bit um, and yeah, like obviously, I'm talking about it uh, as something children would enjoy. But as I said before, I don't think you should show the film to children. Um, so I don't think it really has any value for anyone apart from sort of completionist, apart from us, uh, Disney stuff. Yeah, uh, I think it should be left behind in the dustbin of history really so yeah that's fair do you want to go on to final ratings i feel that's a pretty decent seg yeah okay i as you could probably tell from the speech i was giving i rate this a don't watch i think yeah me too i think um i mean i would rate i would rate it watch if you're on if you're a kid or yeah. you know well but yeah basically if if you're a child um, the thing is, like, children are going to be entertained by literally anything. So yeah. you might as well show them something better. Right? Yeah, but I, but I think this is not bad um, as a kid's yeah. film. So I'm kind of like, whatever. But, but I, I would say don't watch if you're not a child. Hmm. And I feel like that's probably... I feel like a lot of people are big fans of the Aristocats, so, you know. Well, the thing is, with all Disney films, like, it's going to... A lot of people are going to like, have an attachment to it. It's, like, nostalgic. Well, exactly, because, you know, back in the day, you know, you had... We had, you know... Couple of VHSs that you, that you could yeah. watch, you know. Like I, you know, I think I've got like a cupboard in my in my house mm. that has like twenty VHSs in it, and that was all the films that I watched as a kid. Yeah. You well, know? like I didn't. So yeah, like, you're gonna have more of an attachment yeah. to them. Whereas now, like, you know, nowadays these these newfangled streaming services and stuff, these kids have everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I would say like I think the two the films for me are would have been uh, Disney's Tarzan. And Disney's Winnie the Pooh is like the Disney films I grew up with. And then also Shrek, which I watch far more often. Um, but, you know, that's a generational thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But on the other hand, I think the reason I watched Shrek far more often was that my dad liked it. So that's also the value of appealing to adults. I Shrek is good, the, though. They're the ones who put the VHS in at the end of the day. Shrek is very good. Yeah, we'll get to Shrek in 30 years' time. Man, that that would be nice. Yeah. I can get behind that. That is that is something I can. That's something I can very much get behind. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving back to fifty years ago, uh, <laughs> very much the doldrums of Disney. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. What? What's? Uh, what? Is there not a period that Disney's like known for just being a bit shit? This is it. Um, like the thing is, like Disney's, the Disney errors are just made up of fans, so they sound stupid if you look them up. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, like, I was looking up a blog post before I did this called "The Seven Errors of Disney Filmmaking," which I'm going to go ahead and call bullshit. Um, right. 
But like, I think it's generally accepted that they had a very good period towards the beginning of their uh, output. Obviously, there was no light and rest. Uh, and then yeah. there was a lull during the uh, 80s in particular. No, 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 sorry, a lull during the 70s. Uh, yeah. And in the 80s, they came back with a Little Mermaid and made it Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Lion King, and uh, Beauty and the yeah. Beast in quick succession. But then that too began to fall, fail with Pigahontas and Hunchback and Hercules. Uh, and then they sort of picked themselves up yet again with Tangled, uh, in a way. Although I don't... I mean, I was, I was going to say I don't really like the new Disney films, but in fairness, I'm not the target audience for them, so I'm not something to say. Uh, certainly popular, but I wish they would go back to hand-drawn animation. It looks nice. Yeah, hand-drawn's cool. Well, not hand-drawn, 2D. I uh, don't know if hand-drawn's cool. I kind of like 3D. It's, I, it's, I, it's, the, it's all that's on offer now, if you know, in terms of feature yeah. film animation. Uh... And I think, you know, it, it, it's, it, I, I think generally, uh, obviously there are exceptions, um, but I think generally uh, 2D animation tends to look a lot nicer. I think just because you have more control over like the composition and stuff. And it, yeah. Uh, as a very childish person, I still find drawings moving very uh, magical and spellbinding. Uh, you are a very childish person. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I think we're done with the film. Do you want to talk about what you've been up to, or shall we peace out? Oh, we, I, I mean, I think we can talk about what we've been up to for, you know, get, cool. get this up to an hour. I've not really been up to much, though. Uh, what what have you been up to? Uh, okay. Um, so I finished Yakuza Kuwami, which I talked about last time. Right. Uh, I'm not going to change my opinion, I think. I think the main, although actually, uh, I feel the main story is quite good, but I think it does not focus enough on the rivalry, the emotionally charged rivalry that drives it. Uh, it's sort of treated weirdly like an, after, uh, an afterthought within the main structure, uh, which is a shame because it's definitely the best part about it. Um, and again, uh, there are two side... There's really only one side quest, actually, in it that I thought was good. Uh, I was comparing to Yakuza 0. Um, so that was definitely very disappointing. But as a sort of 40-hour palette cleanser, uh, between uh, hammering away at The Witcher 3, I thought it was quite good. Uh, I'm really keen to play... Yakuza Kiwami 2, which I will no doubt get around to one day. Uh, and then I also finished reading uh, the second short story collection of Witcher, uh, of The Witcher. Um, mm -hmm. I think I talked about finishing the first quite from the podcast, and I think those stories are a bit stronger, generally. Uh, not those, uh, the second collection is stronger. Uh, I think I like its thematic content. I like that it gets to the core of Geralt's character a, a bit more. Um, I really feel like Netflix did The Witcher dirty, actually. I've sort of... I mean, this is always the case when you read the book, right, after watching the film or a yeah. TV show in this case. But uh, there's a lot of changes they make that I don't really like. I think take the focus away from Geralt as a character and I think take away from some of the theming of the books that's a bit stronger. Um, okay. I really don't... I get what Netflix was doing and adding the parallel plot lines into The Witcher TV show. Did you watch the TV show? No. No. Okay, well, the TV show is split between three plots, uh, or three characters, we were to say, who each have their own plots, but, like, only one of them was written down, um, and the others are, like, events that were implied to happen. Um, right. Well, not implied, but, like, you told about them. Uh, and I think, like, the gap in quality is quite evident in the TV show, and I wish more time was spent on fleshing these stories out properly, because uh, it does feel like Netflix is kind of rushing through them, because I understand that The Witcher as a series gets a lot more Game of Thronesy uh, as you get later on, and that's really what Netflix okay. wants to get to. Uh, right. I don't really want to have these... They don't really want to spend much time on these sort of short stories that are about like weird little morality tales um, that, sort of, that are all sort of kind of sad. Uh, which is a shame. Because uh, they're very good. But on the other hand, they exist in book form, and I've read them now. So, who am I to complain? No um, one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched, uh, to have a controversial opinion, I watched Muppet Christmas Carol, and I thought it's just okay. I like great. the Jim Carrey one more. Oh. Come Jim on. Carrey one is, like, weirder and darker, and that, to me, is what Christmas Carol is. Uh, I like great. it being twisted. It should be about really just torturing an old man uh, until he's forced to like Christmas. None of this fucking Kermit the Frog shit. Uh, oh, so, yeah. me, why did you say that? 
that's my that's my Kermit impression. <laughs> Good. Uh, so yeah, those are my How those are my, that's my media me? consumption. Oh, uh, oh, Miss Piggy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't don't put it there, Miss Piggy. <laughs> um. So you're talking about The Witcher. Yeah. Cy- Cyberpunk came out. It did. Uh, it. Are you going to get it? No, or at least not for a few years yet. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. The thing is, like, I'm debating. Like they have too much hype around them, so right. no outlet is like willing to be that harsh on them, with a few exceptions. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I feel with these sorts of things, it's better to wait a few years and then see what public opinion is then. Uh, and also, it does seem like the one universal opinion is that right now it is a bug-ridden mess that may or may yeah. not improve with time. So I might as well wait. Uh, well, but- my thing, the reason I'm probably waiting is I don't think it would run very well on my PC. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of getting a new PC at some point in the near-ish future. Yeah. Um, and... I have an Xbox One X, and I feel like it's probably made more for Xbox Series X. Yeah, I think from what I've heard, the, it runs quite badly on uh, current gen. Current, yeah. Or current, I guess last gen. I, I guess it's last gen it now. That it feels weird to say that. Yeah, current uh, gen. We'll see. Um, I yeah, think though, stuff. A lot of people, or not a lot of people, but I've heard people say that it seems like a lot of content was cut. Oh uh, right. Like it seems like there were features that they didn't have time to add in. Um, so that that so, could always be a DLC thing. Yeah, well, I'm assuming. I've seen a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of people say that they're going to wait for like the, the inevitable game of the year edition that's going to have like. All yeah, DLC well, I think like, the thing with just like modern big budget games at this point is that like. Yeah. It's always always better to wait because there will always be like this super overblown like review reaction, and then you look back in two years and nobody's going to give a shit. Um, yeah. And also, like, they always end up patching stuff in that is like really important and helpful. Yeah. So just why why do you need to it's not even going to be that revolutionary gameplay wise right like CD project at least with Witcher 3 and it seems with Cyberpunk like their 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 unique thing is that the writing is unusually good for a video game. Yeah. Like you're not going to be missing out on like it's not going to be a unique gameplay experience. It's going to be exactly the same as every other like open world craftal uh, RPG game, you know. Yeah. Um I do think it looks good though, but yeah, I think I'll wait. But I think I'm going to get Watch Dogs Legion at Christmas. Oh, yeah? Sorry? Um, although I've not seen many reviews of it, actually. Uh, I've I've read a couple uh, that talk about how its main message is a little confused, but it sounds interesting. I'm, I'm, Watch Dogs Legion I'm much more amiable to. I think it is actually genuinely trying something unique. Yeah. With- uh, potential uh, to be expanded upon is something genuinely interesting. Because uh, Watch Dogs 2, I, I didn't play much of. It wasn't... I, I feel like it didn't have the same magic as Watch Dogs, the first Watch Dogs. That's a but very this one, I feel like it's added a, a, a lot. I just... Mm. I, I, Watch Dogs 2 is a good game, and Watch yeah. Dogs 1 is a good game. But because I'd already played Watch Dogs 1, I feel like when I started playing Watch Dogs 2, it was just kind of the same game, or, or, or not the same yeah. game, but a very similar game. And I never really got into it, whereas I can see myself getting into Watch Dogs Legion. Yeah, well, I think Watch Dogs Legion is definitely trying to do something new. Because it's trying something new. And it's still, I mean, the hacking stuff's great in the first two, so, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's still got that with another element, it's been a pretty decent while since Watch Dogs 1, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'll probably get that. And then I'll get Cyberpunk in, like, a a year or half a year when I've got a new computer or something like that. Uh, Yeah, I'm still very slowly playing through The Witcher 3. which I will probably not finish anytime soon. Uh, and after yeah. that, I want to play uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, because I hear it's very good, and also nobody bought it, and that makes me feel very sad. Uh, so I want to support them. I've got a lot of games. I've got um, Jedi Fallen Order to play. Uh, I've got Red Dead Redemption 2 to play. Well, once I finish um, Witcher 3, and that is you know, uh, quite a big once, uh, yeah. I, for the first time... Uh, in a long while, I've actually played every game I own for one console, uh, and that I will have actually right. finished all my PS4 games. Uh, my Switch is already lost That's in terms good. of ever catching up to the games I own for it. Yeah, but uh, I'll be nice. I'll feel like I'm getting my money's worth at once. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to Christmas, where I'll be able to kind of set full days aside to play video games because that's yeah. kind of my thing. sadly my Christmas break is over. I think uh, I'm start. I started work today. 
uh, on my dissertation. Well, after oh, taking, I mean, yeah, I've got. No, I've I've got a lot of work to do for Christmas. Yeah, it's I'm just sure that, it's the same for you as well. Um, I will um, be able to take certain days off, you know, to do it. Yeah, which that would be much healthier than what I did. Um, because uh, what I've been doing during the semester is basically not taking any days off, and it's it's pretty mm. stressful. And then the games yeah. I end up playing are not not ones I will want to play as much. Yeah, well, it's like, it's easier to like go for something that you can play in short bursts rather than. Which is what I've been doing, you know. Like yeah. I've been playing, and I still enjoy them. You know, I've been playing like FIFA and mm. and NBA and shooters and all that kind of stuff, and I still like that. But it's just not the same. Uh, yeah, same stuff. Oh yeah. Also, just related, and because we brought it up earlier, I did watch the Game Awards uh, yeah. two days ago. Uh, I hate them a lot. Um, I really don't like how they're just a showcase for trailers um and that they like really just pass over the awards like they sort of consider them inconvenient uh, i really hate when they don't give the people like proper acceptance speeches or anything uh and they just sort of rattle off awards one after another um i think it's just shitty uh i really don't think yeah. there should be trailers at an award show it makes it sound it makes, i feel it's i think all award shows are obviously influenced by like the people who make the stuff uh, no one's like pretending the Oscars are a bastion of impartiality. But I feel that's too naked uh, when you have trailers literally in it. And also, yeah. I don't like how Among Us got. I think Among Us deserved those awards, but like, I don't think it should have won two awards in the Game Awards 2020. It came out two years ago, um, mm. and it seemed weird to me that no one was willing to acknowledge that. Yeah, because it's not even that it's changed much; it's just that people kind of discovered no. it. I mean, a new map uh, was announced. Uh, there. Yeah, is... Star Trek, right? Uh, no, Airship. Uh, oh, I thought they were making a Star Trek map or something. They might have also might also be doing that. Um, okay. Although this sort of goes back to what I'm saying, where it's a bit weird to watch people give an award for Cyberpunk for being the best multiplayer game, and then also show off a Cyberpunk Among Us, and then also show off a trailer yeah. for it. Also, they have an award for most anticipated game, which is such bullshit. Like, that's just what game has the best marketing. That's that shouldn't be praiseworthy. What, what what was the word? Sorry. Most anticipated. Huh. Just like you know, what the fuck? That's interesting. Oh, there's a sale on Steam. I'm just seeing that for the game awards. Yeah. Also, they gave the award to Elden Ring, and nobody's seen anything of that game for years. Like. Hmm. Setting. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. There are, I appreciate more important things to watch. Oh, also, 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 uh, I have been watching Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, I've been enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. It's surprisingly really good for an anime from the 70s. Um, it's just really good at, like, introducing moral complexity in very, like, s small ways that, are, like, a a worse show would just not have bothered to do. And I find that really impressive, given that it's a show ostensibly designed to sell toys. Yeah. Um, but, like, they will... But, like, you know, the main pilot can be a bit of a dick sometimes. He can be selfish. He doesn't really care about the people he's saving. Um, the superior officers are all kind of dicks. They, our federation doesn't really care about them. Uh, and it's just using them as a diversion whilst they build better weapons. Uh, the villains are are horrible but are also weirdly sympathetic at times in ways that I think just like it's very clearly a good versus evil conflict but it's done in such a way that it has texture that I think worse uh, shows would not involve um, and I appreciate that uh, so it's been a really inter entertaining watch uh, I'm looking forward to watching more Gundam stuff once I've watched the first season uh, and thus have context for the rest of it yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I've just been reminded of? Yeah. Do you get a bunch of adverts on Facebook for really weird Steam games that are not out yet? Nope. Like Pizza Simulator or Human Farm or uh, any other variety of like completely random games? Yeah. I've realised that I have a block on Facebook, so. Oh. Well, let me know if you do, because oh, no, they, they're all they're all the same. Parents. They're all the same advert, 
right? Mm -hmm. So they're different games, but it's the same advert, and then it always ends like add to your wish list, and then it comes up mm -hmm. with a link, and then you click on it, and it it's a game that's not out yet, that's like completely yeah. random. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, weird. Yeah, Mike. The only sponsored post I have right now is for Waitrose Fondue. Mm. Right. Which doesn't paint me in a great light, but you know. Waitrose Fondue. That sounds nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cool. Right. Well then. Well. Shall we call it an eve. I think we shall call it an episode. Coolio. Julie. Uh, Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for coming along. Cool. Don't watch the Aristocats. Watch something else if you like. Yeah, just don't watch it. Um, mm -hmm. If it's your favourite childhood film, sorry, but we hate it's you. not as good as you think. Mm -hmm. The the person that played Scat Cat is called Scatman. That's nice. Also, I forgot that there was a character in this film called Scat Cat. Yeah. Scat, Scatman... Crawler, Crawfers. Oh, oh, he's the guy from The Shining. Oh, you know I the black guy from The Shining. Guy. Yeah, I, I figured it out. But yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Okay. Bye. All right.